Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the Stompcast with me, Dr. Alex George. This is the podcast where I go for a walk with a guest to take a little wander into their life. This week I'm stomping with Anna Williamson. You may recognise Anna as being one of the agents who match and cancel the contestants on Celebs Go Dating, but she's also a number one best-selling author of four books and is also very well loved for her podcast, Luana. Anna's books, much like her career, place a focus on dating, anxiety and parenting. She's also passionate about the mental health of children. There's so much for us to dive into in this conversation around mental well-being and dating. So let's get Anna's advice on harboring healthy and meaningful relationships. Welcome to Stompcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. We have this been... is, honestly, I've been really looking forward to this, Alex. Firstly, because it's made me actually get outside my house today. In a very wet and windy and oh, gale yeah. force day. Although, it's... stop for a moment. Let's be positive. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I'm such a fair weather person. I moved yeah. back to the countryside and... Um, you know, I, I, you know, I have to push myself to get back out on the on the bleaker days, which mm. is a good thing to do. Always good for the soul. Ah, well, I'm I'm glad that you've you've joined because I, you know, you you do so much work in the space around. Yes, I mean, people might know you from Slabs Go Dating the work there, but you know, you've done you know your four books in. So much of your focus has been essentially around mental health. I mean, you talk a lot about relationships, but really, it's about the health and well-being of the people in the relationships. How you conduct yourself how you look after other people and how you kind of navigate life's challenges because your relationships by nature are turbulent and challenging whether that's a parental to a child relationship or that's kind of friendship or romantic uh, relationships well, because so. it's, it's the one thing that we can all relate to relationships oh heartbreak heartbreak but but we all have relationships like exactly as you just said you know mm. it starts from the moment we are conceived absolutely you know the moment we and we, we have cannot a you know we cannot be without companionship I mean there was a big trend um, kind of a couple of day or more than a couple of decades ago but you know a few decades ago where um, it was like look bring children up to be tough and Mm -hmm. on their own and you know don't Mm. you know cuddle a needy child and all these kind of things and Mm. everything has pointed that that was absolute uh, nonsense nonsense. and actually we have unfortunately a lot of people who have grown up from that who therefore don't understand how to be attached healthily Uh Uh who struggle with that kind of chronic rejection yeah Uh, and now we've kind of thankfully going back much more towards actually nurture you know children in a kind of loving don't be worried about like restricting you can't you can't love, love a child no and, and you're so right i mean i think as the trends have gone on over the years and in psychotherapy and you know all of the different um schools of thought around attachment and love and don't you know the i remember the trend when my parents had me and probably had you mm. you know it was you know don't don't spoil it with love too much you know yep, pop it down and sure. on its own cold in a little pram somewhere asleep, crying, yeah, yeah exactly great. exactly you know and it is interesting obviously to work out and find out your own path but yet yeah, as, as human beings we are animals that belong you know we need to feel belonged to we need social interaction which is why you know throughout that pandemic that pandemic so many of us struggled Absolutely. you know including me and i'm i'm married with kids and i still struggle not being able to yeah. see anyone outside that circle because it's not 
it, it, that is not what we're designed to no. be like. No, I mean, and it's a, very much a, a, a evolved state that we have that by sharing and by yeah. sharing the load and by having a family structure and a community structure, yeah. it's the idea that that is the best way to survive, isn't yeah. it? Like you're, you're, if you were belong to a clan of 20, 30 people, yeah. your chance of survival is so much better, infinitely Absolutely. higher than being alone. So we are quite literally evolved to look and seek we companionship, are. aren't we? It, we? We really are. And, you know, it's a very well trotted out phrase now, particularly in the parenting world, you know, which I obviously can relate to having two of my own, but you know, it takes a village. But it, it doesn't matter, you know, whether, wherever you are in your stage of life, it really does. You know, people need people. Mm. And funnily enough, I mean, my husband's uh, Sicilian. So it's part of, in fact, actually, it was one of the big reasons, I think, mm. one of our big shared values was family, actually, mm. when we met, because he sees the importance um, of being in a big family where there's a massive hierarchy mm. going on there. And, you know, I feel the same. You know, I come from a very loving family and supportive family. Don't get me wrong, we can certainly argue. Oh, yeah, but it's, sure. it's so important, you know, and I've had my struggles um, in the past, particularly with my mental health, mm. you know, which I talk very openly about. And honestly, if it hadn't been for my family being around, mm. um, I don't really know where mm. I would be because for me, they are the bedrock and the foundation of who I am as a person. Um, I have a very secure attachment. I'm very fortunate to say, I mean, attachment styles are very yeah, in vogue. Yeah. Um, but I do, you know, I have a very uh, good foundation. And I think, you know, everything that I've gone on to do and continue to, to go on to do in life, I think really has come from, from what I've modelled mm. from my family and from my parents. And, you know, I think the more old, the older I get now, I feel very fortunate, actually, um, more than ever, because I see so many people around me that aren't as lucky mm. to have that kind of upbringing. For sure. And we're going to dive in a little bit later into attachment styles. I think also because, A, it's interesting theory, but also how people can kind of practically think about how they kind of align themselves with people in their lives and how to kind of look for yeah. the signs of the right right people, inverted commas. But I'd like to start with that, if you're happy to talk yeah. about it. You, you know, you, you mentioned um, before we started recording. I was just say how unfit I am, the fact that I'm puffing for breath, walking <laughs> no, up a we'll vague go hill. We'll go very steady, we'll go steady. <laughs> um, it's a great dual deal, a dual win, this uh, yes. stomp cast. Yes. You're kind of walking and moving and it's minor body and it does yeah. test you. We've been up some steep hills actually in, we have. in the yeah, past, haven't we, that's, Charlie? That's, we have. that's the steepest one, that's the there steepest one. This has been pretty steep. This now, we can, now it's all downhill, <laughs> but probably in every way. Exactly. No, no, not at all. <laughs> right, well, let's, let's dive in and just, I would like to ask you, because I mean, you mentioned before we started recording that you'd moved out here to the countryside. Maybe we should mention actually, where, where are we for those listening, yes. roughly? So we are in uh, East Hertfordshire. Mm -hmm. um, we're in the village, uh, which is um, around the main county town of Hertford. Mm -hmm. um, and it is an area where I was um, brought up. I was born in London, but then my parents did of what a lot of North Londoners tend to do, but particularly that live around here. Um, they all kind of move uh, up the A10 and move into Hertfordshire. And, and so, you can see why. I mean, we're surrounded yes. by a beautiful countryside, rolling hills. I'm, I can see this is a horse track we're walking on. Is that right? Yeah, yeah this is, this is, the, yeah, this is um, a bridleway we're on. This is what my kids affectionately call the horse's walk, because if horse. you're lucky, you'll see about three horses. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, I'm giving it a big name, but it's, it's really just Well, it's very, it's very beautiful. We've got kind of, kind of, I guess, quintessential <laughs> English countryside, I think it it's is. fair to say, with the kind of, uh, the pub in the middle of the village and yeah. the lovely kind of uh, Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a real quality housing. of life. Yeah, yeah. And I, I come. I come from here or near here, but I went. I moved into London mm. in uh, when I was seventeen. So you're in you in London for about fifteen or so years. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, I bought my first property in London. So why did you 
move out and that's kind of it is a slightly loaded question because i know you've told me that you, part, no, you moved out because of you had uh, i think you said a mental breakdown yeah, afterwards. Yeah. You, so i just if you're happy to talk about yeah, it like of course. what what kind of caused that and then how how was coming here helped or, or yeah how are you doing now really? well i'm a big first of all with that i'm a huge you know, our environment is everything, okay, mm. and everything that we do. Um, we put ourselves in the right environment, we will thrive, yeah. or we won't, depending on, on what we're doing. Now, for me, um, little did I know um, how important where I lived was. It might sound very obvious, mm. but how uh, important that was to my mental health recovery. And, and, and now, really, as a 41-year-old, my, my management of my mental mm. health, you know, not just my physical health. But see, I moved into... Um, Angel in Islington, North London, mm -hmm. um, when I was uh, my late teens, early twenties, moved in with my brother and my cousin, and I and then I, I had the best um, start of my career. I was a kids' telly presenter for ten yeah. years. You know, I was honestly, Alex, I was living the dream. I consider myself. To, You've done to very now. well. You've done well, so much. You thank have done you. So you're much. kind, and I, and I hope I don't, that doesn't come across no, in no, an no, arrogant no, way, it doesn't. You but really in a have. in a way that you I, have. you know, I'm a very glasses half full kind of person. Well, it's, it's also being grateful for it life's is. opportunities, and like it is. you work hard for those opportunities as well. Yeah. They don't come. I don't quite. I think sure. there is always a sprinkling of luck on every thing that happens. But sure. I tell you what, there's a lot of graft that goes there, in as you, well. You're damn right. You are, and also, and well, I'll kind of get onto really because I also know what it's like to be in the trenches you mm. know when it when you really feel in that moment that not being here is mm. perhaps a more appealing thought than being yeah. here yeah. and um, you know I know you've had your experiences and you've had mm. some terrible family tragedies to to deal with and navigate and you know we're always still moving through those processes and I think that's also what's really important in fact one of my real bugbears is when people say to me and I know they don't mean it badly they say, oh, how did you cure your anxiety disorder? And I'm just like, well, I'm a clear doctor, you know. <laughs> and I was like, well, you don't exactly cure it, but I, because yeah, again, sure. that just places pressure on the very notion of not Well, it's like the idea, I mean, I go on a lot about grief and the idea of stop right. trying to expect to kind of like, kind of be okay that yeah, someone's died. Like, you know, yeah, oh, when, you when is it okay that yeah. your mother died? I mean, yes. you, what, you know, this, right. if you actually vo vocalise that, you yes. realise how stupid it is to expect right. yourself to be right. okay. And it's managing it rather than going, oh, do you know what? It's absolutely fine. I'm cool. Yeah. My mum died. Yeah. It doesn't happen. It, it, it does doesn't it? happen. No. Yeah. And and exactly, it's something you always are constantly managing. And and I, I with grief in particular. I mean, it's more, my husband actually. He he lost a parent. You know, and I can see living with someone how you know how that really does come in waves. But myself, you know, I was working in London. I was in my mid twenties, um, having a great old time. You know, mm. I was kids telly presenter for ITV. Um, and the rock and roll lifestyle. Rock and roll lifestyle, Alex. <laughs> Um, were you were you partying a lot then? Were those party well, days? Quite, yeah, I guess I was actually. It was actually twenties in London. I guess 20, part of it. Yeah, isn't it? I get, like I'd say kind of the yeah early two thousands. Yeah. Like there was quite a drinking culture mm. within telly, which actually mm. probably in a good way doesn't exist like it used to. Yeah. And every lunchtime, you know, working in ITV. It was such a culture to go to the pub at lunchtime. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't even imagine that now. Yeah. Um, but we did, you know, we'd come off air, you know, we, I, we'd take over from Lorraine Kelly in Studio yeah. 5 in ITV. Uh, we'd do our kids' show. Um, we'd wrap at 1, one thirty, and straight into the pub for a bottle of wine. Yeah. You know, and I actually think, again, when you look back, you know, all the things I now know yeah. about maintaining a good uh, mental wellness you know everything was wrong I was drinking alcohol a lot of coffee in the morning my diet was dreadful because it was catering. sleep wouldn't have been great because you're kind of always kind of waiting to be on air the next exactly, day exactly well. constantly living with adrenaline firing yeah. around my system and then the crashes and then what was for me I was in um, a toxic relationship again didn't understand it 
also I'd look where I've, look where I've come from you know I wasn't you know I was I was pretty um, naive certainly mm. when it came to relationships which is probably the irony now mm. of what I do as a relationship coach but <laughs> but, but again that, yeah. that was a part of the drive for yeah. me I think um, and I was in a relationship which was um, coercively controlling uh, it was psychologically abusing um, and I didn't know what to do I couldn't really recognize it other than I was feeling bad and then over a course of six months 10 months maybe max of being in this relationship you know it was pretty textbook now you know if you look it up you know the whole um all the symptoms you know of pulling me away from friends and mm. family and mm -hmm. you know all of those kind of you know things and really was, was that the level of things because when people say like a toxic relationship yeah. it was such a there's, a there's a huge there's a huge spectrum of what that is, really yeah. means yeah um it was the um belittling the telling me what to wear um people you know i was lucky to be with him mm. uh, nobody else would want me you know it was all of you or know stripping down stri almost. stripping yeah. down exactly stripping down to the point where you need them mm. um and that is that is the very nature and the definition of that kind of relationship where it is so unhealthy to be in it but you are too scared to not sure. be with that person sure, sure, sure. because you are almost taught to you are molded to rely on them yeah um, you kind of see it something very differently, but like with um, grief, for example, like my parents stayed in the house yeah. um, after my brother died for a long period of time, and there was almost like a sense of comfort from that house, but it's only when they left that they could really look back and see that it actually was not a good thing. It wasn't actually, yes. even though it may have felt quite, quite com or like, but it comforting, it wasn't actually healthy for no, them. You probably, know. it becomes your prison almost. Yes, yeah. And it's not until you have that space to then look at something Freshen with you, distance yeah, yeah. yeah exactly in, in a disassociated way that you can perhaps then start to almost process what you've yeah. been through and um, that's when I started to experience uh, what I now know uh, as a as someone that's been through it and has done an awful lot of work on it um, panic attacks and I'd never experienced a panic attack and anyone that has will attest to how awful they can feel in the moment um, as you will know as a doctor the amount of people that genuinely think they're having a heart yeah, attack I've you know. had them before it's horrible awful it? aren't they I feel like you genuinely have feeling that you're going to die and, um, and, and you almost you almost want to at yes, times. Yeah, it, it is so that bad. bad. Yeah. It is that, you know what? It is awful. It's, it's, it is the most horrible, debilitating physically and mental feeling. And um, but because I was so highly anxious, and and then what started to creep in were other symptoms. Um, I wasn't eating, uh, so my weight was starting to drop. I had developed, you'll probably notice your doctor, globus pharyngeus. I couldn't swallow mm. properly, mm. which is obviously a symptom of extreme anxiety. Yeah, goodness, that really is extreme. Yeah, so I was choking. I couldn't even, even bless water. Bless you, that's so tough. Thank you. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was so awful. Tough. But at the time, I haven't got a clue what it is. Yeah, it which is actually even, even more frightening. I know that you, yes. you did a lot of work around educating yes. people about this. And there's kind of a similar passion of mine that people can understand. You can only fix a problem when you recognise it. Right. If you don't right. recognise it, it's very hard to fix something blindfolded, exactly. isn't it? Exactly. And 15 years ago, we weren't talking about mental health. You know, and I, I joked in an article I did for a uh, publication last week, you know, it was, it was literally when I decided to be an ambassador for Mind, it was, it was Stephen Fry the, mm. and, and Ruby Wax, yeah. you know, and this little TV presenter, you yeah. know, that, that decided to join as well, going, hello, I've got a mental illness. And actually, I'm, you know, it's been the best thing that ever happened to me in a very weird way because, you know, I've learned so much more. But with that whole situation, I, it had become, I always describe it like I was like a car, as in, you know, running on empty. And then the beeper was going, the red, the red light was on, flashing loudly and hard saying, stop, you've got to stop because... Not, I wasn't sleeping, yeah. I was an insomniac at that point. I was um, obsessive compulsive behaviours were cre creeping in as well. I was doing this kids show, I had this thing about time, 
which I still have to manage now, actually. I get quite, um, I know if I feel anxious about something, like flying, I flew back from America yesterday, yeah. and oh, I always wow. know that suddenly I get fixated on time. And, yeah. you know, is this flight going to take off on time? And because I get a bit anxious around flying, you know, and I, and that kind of is one, that's when I know I can recognise. Time is one of my anxieties as well, actually. I really have. But time in the moment of like, so if one of the biggest anxieties for me is if I was to wake up later. So I can't, I could not fathom or be able to like not have an alarm. And, and like, that... I don't like to feel that I would get up later, have a right. big fear. The, the, the biggest setback is the fear of lost yeah. time. I was going to say, what's the, what's the fear I think around it's, that? I think, it's, I think it's that idea of, I, I have grown up with this idea of wasted time. Right. Which, right. Is a, which I'm learning and I'm unpicking and I'm learning to mm -hmm. just... I work through that, but yes. it certainly is something that I know is a trigger point. Like yes. I, that time idea is a big thing. Do you know, I can really relate to that. And I wonder, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this actually will also relate to that because it comes down a lot to a control or yeah. a feeling of that lack of control. And so for me, in that scenario yesterday, I'm flying back from America, I'm not in control of that plane leaving. I can't do anything about it. And I can see people around me, you know, faffing about and I start getting antsy. I'm like, come on, we need to get this plane going, you know. And, and I recognise that that is my anxiety that's driving yeah. that. I, I have that. I came back from Spain mm. the other week, just uh, was <coughs> riding mm. some motorbikes. So adrenaline is, uh, is great for, for clearing the mind. Yeah. But I, I found the same thing. The plane was delayed uh, uh -huh. by an hour, sat on the runway. And yeah, I'm just kind of, I just find the, actually it's the whole experience yes. of like, traveling where i'm not in control, not in control. so yeah. pub, all of public transport all of flying everything yes. you don't have any control no. of your time at all and oddly you could argue like driving a car it can be a road traffic jam you're not in control then either but the but closer weirdly, you are because to, you're yeah. behind the wheel yes. in a weird way you sort of feel that you are and I, and I think a lot of people can identify with that people when they often sort of say oh i'm fearful of getting on trains or i'm fearful of that you know sure it could be claustrophobic you know it could be anything but i think a lot of it is so deep rooted in this feeling of lack of control and you know for like that's and i know with myself with my anxiety which when subsequently going back to this time when um i, I wasn't coping i it ended up in a massive just absolutely sort of flatlined mental breakdown at work when, when was this was that this? was 2006 2007 yeah, 2007 yeah, and you know it was it was a pretty unattractive moment you know i was uh, what I, happened when you say you had a breakdown? What does that, what does so, that, if you don't mind sharing? No, of course not. I'm what very open about like? it. Um, so I hadn't, I mean, at this point of coping, yeah. <laughs> and I say coping, and this is the thing, I was so, I felt like such a wally once I'd kind of come clean, so to speak, with my, my bosses, because they were like, my God, you're the best actress in the world, you know, because I put this mask <laughs> you know, on, idea, right? Yeah. And how many of the guilty, you know, I always talk about the, I'm fine, you know, Ask someone a second time how they yeah, really are. Yeah, they ask get, twice. Yeah, yeah, you get the real answer, right? Time to change campaign. Right, ex yeah. exactly. And it's why I'm so happy that it's so, you know, it's so out there now. But I'd gone into, I, at this point, I had le left my flat uh, in London. I just wasn't coping at all. I'd gone back to uh, my parents, uh, who live near here, uh, where we are walking now. Mm. Um, and I remember at the time thinking, this is, this is bad. I'm a 26-year-old at the time BAFTA nominated TV presenter and I'm lying in bed with my mother crying that I can't go to work today and the thought of getting up and prancing about like a tit on my kids Saturday morning telly show was just far too overwhelming anyway I remember the back of an Addie Lee you know car gets sent I'm like she's sort of patting me off you can do this you know you can do this Plus, she's just trying to do what she's yeah she was just trying time, her yeah. best to kind of wheel me out there yeah. got to work I hadn't slept um, 
I'm sure I'd been probably messing about with, I probably had found, you know, like night owls and yes, things like sure. that, you know, nothing, nothing of anything that was the prescription, but just to try and get some sleep, yeah. nothing worked. Um, and then I got into work and I will never forget it. Um, I talked about it in my book, Breaking Mad, actually, which sparked, sparked all of that was, when we're coming out the lift at ITV, I don't know if you ever went when it was over at Southbank. Yes, I came I out did, of the yeah. lift. Just, it changed just, yeah, it was just uh, changing, the time yeah. when I was sat love lines or whatever. Yeah. yeah, and I came out and I just remember my heart sinking and probably the 85th panic attack of the day. Mm. Um, and it was bustly, bustly, you know, the live show had just come off air, you know, GMTV had come off air. And one of my colleagues who um, I didn't realise, well, I knew she'd been off, I didn't know why. It turns out she'd been off with depression for six weeks. It takes one to know one, right? And she looked at me, looked at me twice, when you're right. And I remember it was just that yeah, moment no. where I talked so passionately about asking the right question at the right time yeah. to that person. And for whatever reason, it was the moment to say, no, I'm not. Mm. And I think it was the way she looked at me was such so concern yeah. that made me say, I'm not okay burst into floods of tears. It's almost um, like a release, isn't it? When you're like, do you know what? I'm not okay. It's like oh, a moment of like, do you, know what, you Alex, feel seen, was, don't you? It was life-changing. It sounds so cheesy. But it was like, I can't keep this crap up any yeah. longer. Because like, it, no, it requires okay. energy to pretend yeah. you're okay. Oh, it's exhausting. It? Pretending you're fine, you know, is so tiring. And I so say we live in an age now where, you know, authenticity and vulnerability, you know, these are all big buzzwords. But there's a real, there's a real catharsism in those, yeah. you know, when you don't have to, like, you're the same. Like, this is why I think so many, well, I know so many people identify with you, why I enjoy following you. Because I'm like, God, how refreshing. But I'm well, someone Love Island who's not talking crap. You just have to, you just have to no be honest with yourself. You have to be honest with yourself though, don't you? And I think it, there's moments do. when you when you find yourself like pushing through, muscling through, but yeah, I'm fine. And then actually when it gets to the point where you're almost like, if you carry that suitcase, it's so full oh. of weight. You can't carry it anymore. You drop it. And it's almost like release of dropping release. it. Going, do you know what? I can't carry this anymore. No, things aren't all right. It's not okay. You need to hand. unload it. Yeah. We do. Um, I'm a I'm a trained childline counselor, which was something I, yes, I did. Yes, I know. That's amazing. I did. Oh, thank you. I did when I was uh, as a kids telly presenter. That was the start of me being interested in yeah. therapy because I ended up having a lot of therapy. Yeah. Oh, this is amazing. I'm found seen the light. You know, made massive changes in my life. Ditched the crap boyfriend. You know, started working on myself. I was fascinated. At childline, we do about the um, bag of worries you know, a sack and, yeah. you know, you put a brick in for every worry you might yeah. have, you know, and how heavy that feels, so then you take the bricks out one at a time. And it sounds so simple, but as we all know, you know, sometimes the simplest things in life that are well, just It's a fantastic analogy, and also it's the idea that um, often um, you don't feel a certain way because of one individual thing. It's a stack of things that, that add up. It's kind of the, the straw that breaks and the then camel's it, it, back. Exactly. And so my analogy is all that bucket of water, and, you know, most of us are coping, and then all it takes is just someone to chuck a stone into that water and it just Bam. overflows. And yeah, just that kind of traumatic event yeah. or just anything that happens and yeah. just everything spills. And sometimes it even big stone, it can be a little pebble just dropped in the top. Exactly. And, then... and it just, and that's what happened for me that day. And, you know, I always talk, I talked about it, I talk about it affecting his meltdown day, but also as, you know, kind of one of the best worst days of my life in a way, mm. because it made me realise, this sounds a bit of a silly thing to say, but made me understand what mental health was mm. because I didn't know what that was. No one yeah. talked about mental health, Alex, other than my great auntie so-and-so that had been sectioned back in 1952. Do you know what I mean? And so um, I'd gone away, seen a fantastic, thank God my parents are very knowledgeable, empathetic people. My mum was, uh, was 40 years medical secretary and she happened to work for a fantastic consultant psychiatrist. My mum, not knowing what the hell to do, Spoke to him, yeah. she was like, my daughter's got this. And he said, oh God, I think I know exactly what's going on there. Bring her in. 
That's um, amazing. And thank God, I remember going in this, you know, overall mess, and he was just like, right, let me need. And for me, the label was the catharsisum. Yeah. So. Just like, understanding of what it was. Yeah, like for me, him feeling heard, feeling seen, and having someone very calmly sitting there and saying, oh yeah, how you're feeling is how millions of other people feel. You have panic disorder and generalised anxiety disorder. And I remember going, what is the thing? I'm not completely insane and crazy. And he was like, no, you've just had a really, really rough time. And we're going to work at repairing you. Yes, and so, you know, that amazing. moment of someone just, yeah. that feeling of like, I always say, like the feeling of being seen. And that's oh. what it is. And it like, you feel that someone has seen you and so much of the it's not like that fixes things obviously but just that moment of like oh my gosh like you can pull that bucket half into another bucket yeah. and someone else will carry that half for you while you kind of deal what's going and on and also to not and, and it's so important for people to receive that as well you know because as you say for someone just to kind of take that off you and to not make you feel like a massive weirdo yeah that for me yeah. you know was so then i went on to get postnatal depression after i had my kids and even that you know different space but not feeling like, you know, I was a weirdo. You, could, like, you could recognize it. I get it, it yeah. yeah not feel of course I feel you. like this. I've just had a 40 hour labor and a hemorrhage, you know, of yeah. course I'm gonna feel like crap. You know, it's okay. Well, thank you so much for, for being so open. And, and I know a lot of people just listening will just feel that kind of, the sense of being able to relate. And I know that I personally find it so helpful when you're like, oh God, especially going through a difficult time. Yeah. We all go through ups and downs. Life is a bit of a roller coaster. Yeah. And just feeling, you know, anyone's listening right now, I hope that, you know, that's really helped you kind of feel that you're not alone. And as always, we leave links in the show notes for sure. any support that you need. Right, we'll be back for part two in just a moment. So whether you're, you're continuing with us on this walk today or you're coming back on another day, thank you for joining us. And yes, we'll continue on. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 